0: Welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce. And today we have Ryan Savage with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Pierre. It is such a pleasure gotten to know you. We've talked a few times about different things and both the podcast and the talking about dating. And then I asked if you want to be on my podcast. So yep. that's a really cool thing. And you're the one who invited me to this Facebook group too. I went through divorce five years ago and I know you went through divorce about the same time. Yes. And it is such a difficult thing to go through. And I want to bring hope to people. I want to help people, give them guidance and also hear other people's stories. You can relate to them and see how they manage to go through it and get some glimpse of hope. I just wanted to invite you to our weekly Authentic Connection workshop that we have every Monday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, where we gather in a Zoom room and we have a workshop to learn how to go from being lonely, disconnected, not having friends to learn the skills on how to connect, how to have deep fulfilling friendships and relationships. And this training I will have every Monday going on. It's free for you listeners that wants to become better at connecting with other people. It can be with your friends, to gain friends, to not being lonely. I went through extreme loneliness and this is some of the training I went through with my mentor and trainer, John Maxwell. And I will teach you the five principles of connecting. And we will also practice those connections with each other in this workshop. And I really want you to check it out. I'd love to interact with you and it's going to be a lot of fun. You might feel uncomfortable initially to to join but please join. There's so much power in just taking that active step instead of sitting passively at home not having those friends. This will also help you to connect with romantic relationships or with your children or in work. So this type of training you will be benefited by in all areas of life it's one of the most important things to learn is how to connect with other people and i really looking forward to hearing from you and you can click on the link in the description below to schedule your attendance at the meeting and it's limited to 12 people so make sure that you book it as soon as possible love to see you there so that's main thing and also there's so much shame about divorce so much stigma around divorce it's like when i talk to people if they want to share my podcast a lot of people that are married they don't even want to share it they don't even <laughs> want to click because it's like they're going to get infected by this divorce virus it's like ridiculous i know you right now have done a lot of work yourself after the divorce and we shared a little bit about you've been married for a long time then went through divorce are the most difficult things for you going through a divorce and how did you handle those things?
1: Well, Perry, you made a very good point at the beginning as far as like it being there's a stigma about divorce. And for me personally, I've told you a little bit about my history. I was a pastor for several years. My dad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. And so I grew up in the Christian church and in a Pentecostal Christian church, which was very much you don't get divorced. Even with adultery, you don't get divorced. You work through those problems. And so I spent most of my life believing that I'd be married forever. I never thought, even though for the better part of my marriage, I knew it wasn't a marriage that I, I loved and even one that would I would want my kids to pattern their marriages after. But I never, even in the end, never thought I would get a divorce. Living through that and that stigma of, of realizing that I'm going to get a divorce and I'm the oldest of four, none of my siblings have been divorced. And up to that point, I was like, I'm not necessarily the golden child, but I was definitely the the one that looked like he had his life together. I had several people throughout my life would, would always look at me and be like, man, how do you do it? Like you you manage being a father, a pastor. Eventually I was in, in the banking and finance world and I looked like I had everything together, but on the inside with the marriage that was crumbling, I didn't. So that was, it's crazy. My, my mom was the first one that I called and said, hey, this is gonna happen. And that was a huge step for me to do that. So the stigma is probably the hardest thing. And then also just, being alone and not just being alone without my spouse, but then you go through that battle of you lose friends, you lose your support system. So the stigma and the loneliness were probably the two biggest things that I had to deal with, at least initially. Yeah. I
0: hear that from pretty much every single person I talked about divorce and people that I interview. I had so much shame about divorce. And I actually stopped going to the church I was going to for a long time. The closest people to me, I didn't want to talk to about the divorce because I just felt like such a failure. I went through extreme loneliness and depression. And I heard pretty much every single person I interviewed had gone through depression and suicidal thoughts, etc. Especially
1: the first year after divorce, I went through a cycle of isolation. Yeah. And then reaching out in an unhealthy way. So it's like this continual cycle of I would isolate myself, you know, because I had nobody really outside of my children. I've, I have four children, and immediately right away, I got 50 50 custody of them. My, my boys, my older children, live with me full time now and have for a couple of years. I've, similarly, I've been divorced five years as well, but I would go through isolation periods. And then on the weeks that I didn't have my children initially, I would reach out in unhealthy dating habits. And so it was this back and forth. I'd reach out and I would date a little bit and then I would retreat into isolation and not have anybody to share my pain with or to be accountable to.
0: Yeah, I did the same thing. As soon as uh, the papers were signed, I got on a dating app. I was so lonely. I wanted to just have connection, but I was reaching out out of the wrong reason because uh, I just was lonely. And that's not the way to find your, if you're looking for a spouse, to just yes. getting
1: on a dating app, yeah. reaching out. Have you ever heard, like, they say, don't go to the grocery store if you're hungry? Like, you never exactly. shop for groceries. Why you're yeah. hungry? Because you'll, <laughs> you just start throwing everything in your cart that you know is not good for you, but you know that it will quench your appetite or your thirst yeah. immediately. And that's the same thing with dating. Like, when you're lonely and hurting, it's, uh, dating is probably the worst thing. Worst option. (laughs) Yeah. You got to satisfy that inner hunger and that inner peace before you start looking for somebody else to help. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now I like to uh, eat, so I'm in trouble. After a year of dating, I stopped dating for over two years. No dating whatsoever. And I actually just recently started dating again. And I found a girl via an organic way, via the tennis Mm -hmm. courts. We met on the tennis courts, not via a dating app.
1: And uh, I wasn't really looking, it just appeared. <laughs> you know, when I was, especially early on in my dating world of, after divorce, I would hear people say, stop looking, it will just happen. And I, I always wanted to be like, whatever, that's not true, yeah. it will never happen. And so I've been divorced five years, and I'll be honest, Per, I've probably been on a minimum of 80 first dates, and a oh, lot wow. of that was Probably in the first three years and probably more than that. I I really wish I had kept track and I could have written a book about the, the perils <laughs> of online dating. But I had two relationships in that five year period that both came. Well, the first one came from an app, second one came from just a, a random Facebook encounter. And then I'm currently in a relationship now that similarly to yours happened organically. We became Facebook friends through the group that we're both a part of, and we yeah. were strictly friends for about five months. And then all of a sudden we just both went, wait a second, there's more here. But I never would have taken the time to do that those first couple of years after divorce because I was looking for something entirely differently than what my current relationship offers. Yeah. Are you a different person now compared to 10 years ago? Oh, uh, <laughs> so many ways. I think to my core, I'm still the same, which I, I think similarly, I love people, uh, yeah. which uh, just in our minimum kind con- conversations, I think you have that same heart of helping people. Yeah your pain i've always and you know when i was a pastor that was my passion always loved my kids had a great relationship with them before divorce have a great relationship with them now but it's funny growing up in the church and even when i was a youth pastor and a children's pastor i always thought like i never had anything that god had to forgive me for that would be huge or that whole idea of grace. And I I know we're probably going to broach this subject in a moment, but I'll go ahead and just let the cat out of the bag. I I had infidelity in in my marriage. I cheated on my wife. Uh, Longer story than just that. And I'm sure we may get into that. But so dealing with that to where I am now, 10 years ago, I realized how much grace comes into our life and how much because I feel like it's been given to me. I'm able to give it to others because we all make mistakes. And so in that aspect, I'm definitely a different person.
0: Yeah, I think it takes time and become wiser, and especially being willing to change. I got a counselor and a coach and a mentor fairly quickly, and it's so much of my growth that's thanks to that, taking those steps of reaching out for help. I don't know, did you ever reach out for help throughout the divorce?
1: When we got divorced, I had been on staff at a church in the area that we live now, and resigned. And the pastor, I will give him credit. When I had stepped down, he came into my office and said, "Hey, is there anything else going on in your life besides not liking working here?" And in the back of my mind, I was like, I wanted to tell him about my marriage, and I didn't. And I just then I, I left the church. And it's funny, I ended up working for a, a bank as the as a manager and a lender across the street from that church. Oh, wow. I could look out of my office window and see the, the church. About a year later is when my ex-wife and I started the divorce. The pastor himself came across the street, offered, hey, I heard what's going on, offered if I needed anything, any kind of accountability. And I basically, nicely, I just, I didn't take in from the offerings. So for about a year, I did that isolation, reaching out helpfully. And then a friend of mine who actually I was on staff at with a church a few years ago, happened to be at a, a kid's camp with my youngest son at the time and heard that I was in a divorce and camp was over. It. He called me up. And to this day, so that was about five years ago, he's still one of my accountability partners that I, I check in with. Now, that first couple of years, I had accountability, but I didn't use it. And even when I yeah. used it, I still went and did what I wanted to do just because I was in a, a period of, I guess you would say rebellion and I didn't want Accountability.
0: Yeah, initially when we went through struggles in our marriage, my wife she wanted to have counseling, and I did not want counseling.
1: Mm. But
0: this was like probably three years prior to the divorce. But then after six months, she asked me three years ago. But then six months after that, I agreed to that. But we we tried counseling. We were never able to kind of like work through
1: it. There were several things early on in our marriage that we weren't compatible with that we probably should have discovered before we got married. So we were married 16 years, but we never had a healthy, intimate relationship. There were things in in her past that caused her to look at intimacy as a requirement and then almost even somewhat dirty. That's the only word I can use. And then I had, as a young 20 year old man, I had some unhealthy things. I had an addiction to porn that I was still working through and I wanted intimacy all the time and she never wanted it. And so that was a recipe for disaster throughout the 15 years of our marriage. We were great parents together. Our, our kids are great. They're now five years after the divorce, pretty well adjusted. But in the end, we had several discussions my ex wife and I did about intimacy. And there was a few conversations wh- where she said that she was fine with how our intimacy level was and I was not. And in the end, I just, I made the decision that I was tired of not being intimate with somebody. And found somebody to be intimate with. And then honestly, about a week after that, I confessed to my wife, I, I wasn't going to be the guy that that cheated on his wife for the next several years or had several partners. Not that that makes an excuse for my actions at all. Funny, I remember I, I called my mom actually the night that I was oh, going to wow. tell my ex-wife. And I, I said, hey, mom, we're having troubles. And it's crazy. My, my mom and my two sisters, when I told them we were splitting up, they all three were like, we saw that coming for years. And I was a little bit like, what do you mean you saw that coming for years? Because I thought we had put up a good front that everybody thought we had a good marriage. Yeah. But clearly we didn't those closest to us, even people that we knew from our church world or close friends, they always knew there was something missing and it was really the the intimacy and not just intimacy with sex, but just holding hands, having deep conversations. And we just, we never did that. And I, I, I'll take as much blame as I would put onto my ex for that. So in the end, I just, I remember having a, I had a conversation with God in my car. I was like, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of not having intimacy. Yeah. And it was almost like I, I, some people fall into infidelity. And I think technically I did over years, but then I got to a point where I was like, I'm just, I'm tired. Yeah. And yeah. There's a lot, I carry a lot of shame with that. And the—and I do carry a lot of shame, but I also don't mind telling my story because with any amount of shame the more light that's on it the less shame that you have to carry
0: exactly and i think uh, i'm proud of you to to be able to be open about it and talking about it because i think people that listen and people that hear your story can relate and also that you were you went back very quickly and just confessed and i, I think that's uh, a very mature thing as well
1: i definitely my mom to this day will always say she's like hey and it was crazy. When I got my divorce, my parents have been always been very loving and supportive. They're still pastors. They're in their mid to late 60s, have been pastors my entire life. And I never thought they would reject me because of my divorce. Yeah. But I, I was always fearful that maybe because nobody in my family had ever gotten a divorce that maybe yeah. I would be looked upon, but they've been very receptive. And she's just, I just wish, I wish that you could have gotten your divorce before you did that, just because yeah. of the, me have not because she's ashamed of me, but because of the pain that it's caused me and my ex wife. So,
0: yeah, and I still don't understand all things when, when it comes to my relationship. You never had any closure. Yeah, and I've decided to forgive. And I know I contributed a lot of things to the divorce as well. And it's definitely something that you think about sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I, when I talk to people who have been on the other side. And then, and I, and I share that I'm the one that committed that I, it almost puts like a pit in my stomach because I know that I caused that pain to my ex. And uh, even though I'll be honest, in in the five years I've never regretted being divorced from her. She's happily remarried now. She's been married for about three years, has, has a great husband that treats my kids like they're his own. So I'm thankful for that. So I don't miss that marriage. I do miss sometimes the companionship of somebody daily, but I do regret deeply the fact that I betrayed her trust. Yeah.
0: Now, I I think for me, the divorce had been very difficult, but it's also been one of the best things too for myself because I had to start growing personally. And it was like, okay, now at that point, when you go through the most difficult a period of your life, you can decide either you, you, you don't do anything and you hide and don't do anything, or you decide to gr- grow up and take responsibility like you're doing right now. That's awesome. Taking responsibility is one of the keys, I think, to growth yes. and starting on the ju- new journey. And I've never felt better in my whole life right now. I don't have everything in place. It never will be perfect. Life is a journey. But to get on that journey, that bandwagon and... Uh, yes. climbing that mountain like i used to say with the rock climbing it's like uh, life is so much like rock climbing you're gonna hit some easy paths and then you're gonna hit some tough ones
1: yeah it's funny not not to go off of a a trailer but so you're a rock climber or former rock climber
0: i rock climb with the kids indoors okay we started that a year ago my son started and then we we all started so all four kids love rock climbing okay Uh, yeah and it's such a that's one of the reasons
1: why I call this Rockin' Life uh, okay. podcast. Um, you may have told me that. I just never – my oldest son is an avid rock climber. He is the – he's actually the president of the rock climbing club at the university he attends. Oh, wow. He, he'll, he'll indoor climb basically every day. He In fact, he just went – we live about an hour and a half from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. There's a lot of rock climbing there, so he just spent the day there yesterday. So he's – anyways, uh, he loves it.
0: My son is two. Uh, like all my kids are good, but my oldest son, he's amazing, a rock climber. He, yeah. he wants to move to
1: Utah. To okay. <laughs> yeah. My son went to Utah this summer. Yeah. He and his buddy went and they did rock climbing and they did uh, mountain biking. But you're right. There's so, when you, it, honestly, any kind of sport, but rock climbing especially, because you've got to be very methodical with where you're putting your next hand. Where am I going to put my feet? And so really divorce is like the same way. It's like, All right. I know where I'm going. How do I get there? Got to make sure that this next thing that wow. So I dated a woman back the first of the year. I similarly, I I did some stupid dating for a couple of years and one toxic relationship. And then I stopped dating for about two years, occasional dates here and there, but no relationships. And then I met a woman and really thought I had met somebody that was going to be something long-term. So I put my hand up there and grabbed it and thought I was pulling myself up there And then quickly realized that she was not who she said she was. But it was like when you grab that thing and you don't think you have a good hold and you fall off. Yeah. So I tumbled that like it took me a couple of months after that relationship because I was like, I thought I was healthy. I thought I was making good decisions. I thought I put a lot of my unhealthy habits behind. And then I reached for her. And instead of making sure where my feet were. I tumbled down and spent a couple of months of going, well, how did I not see the red flags in this person Yeah, that really should have been very clear, and I didn't.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Rock climbing, I think it's another analogy, is when you're in the rock climbing indoors, you have a bunch of climbers with different levels. Some are advanced, some are beginners. And if you do bouldering, you might be climbing this uh, path and you suddenly hit this difficult path and you fall down, and then you can ask somebody else sitting on the mat, just resting, <laughs> could you help me and, and give me a hack? They usually say, yeah, yeah. If you change that grip to this grip, it's much easier. And then you try it and then you make it all the way up. Yep, that's true. <laughs> so It's so much like life, having a, a good friend or having a counselor or a coach or a mentor is somebody that's already done the journey. For example, an older couple that's uh, been married for uh, successfully married for uh, their whole life or a long term. That is, these people are sitting on the mat, which are already cl-
1: done the climb. <laughs> One of my current mentors that I met about three years ago, he is 71, I believe, but he's been divorced four times. His current wife, thankfully they've been married now for 25 years. Wow. But before that, he went through just just mostly because of his own doing, poor decisions and some infidelity on his part, alcoholism. And so he's been a great tool for me to look at and go, hey, here's what I'm doing now. What would you do or what did you do? And so when you have somebody that's that seasoned with that much wisdom, and then honestly, and he'll tell you himself, he's made all the mistakes. (laughs) If there's a mistake that you can make, he's made it. So he's climbed all the rocks, he's seen all the he's seen all the paths. And so having that person, man, if I could have met him like five years ago instead of three years ago, it definitely would have gotten me a lot further, a lot sooner.
0: Yeah. But I think like you said, to reach out and also be not hiding these things, shame for me, it was, it was several things I was ashamed of, but the divorce was one of the biggest. But when I started sharing about my divorce, I actually did it on the airplanes because I flew between Sweden and the US all the time. Yes, And I wanted to start practicing connecting. And then I started sharing about the divorce. And because that's an intimate thing, the, the discussions, the other person started opening up. And not only did I practice connecting with people and how you connect in a good way and get friends, this shame just dissipated. And that is so awesome. So I think it's awesome that you can talk about it and share. And I think a lot of people will be helped by hearing your story.
1: I do a lot of writing now. Like I'm I'm in a couple of Facebook groups that I try to really just share either what's going on currently, because just like you, you're stepping into that dating phase. I've tried, I've dipped my toe a few times and, and unsuccessful, but now I'm dipping into it with somebody who's very healthy. And I think with every phase of divorce, we need to hear stories like, yeah. how are you dating with kids? How are you dating? So my girlfriend's 2000 wow. miles away. So we're long distance. Yeah. And so I think sharing the stories of everything in, in our divorce world, because even if I, re- I was telling her this yesterday, if we happen to get married a year from now, I'm still going to be a divorcee that I, yeah. I will carry that with me my entire life. Five years into our marriage, there will still be some things possibly that will trigger me from my divorce that I'll be able to help other people with Yeah, that I'm in a marriage now with stepchildren. And so I'm looking forward to using my journey, whatever it looks like to help people. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And actually, one of the main things why I wanted to interview you from the beginning is that on Facebook, you share a lot of times about your relationship with your kids, and you seem to have a very strong bond with your kids. I've had to go through a lot of alienation throughout the divorce and a lot of difficult periods where I believe there's been so much fear in our divorce, and my wife filed for the divorce. But they had just recently moved to the US and uh, I could not see myself uh, being able to stay in the the US without getting a green card. And uh, so I filed for full custody and that put so much fear in this whole process. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I got a lawyer and lawyers can really destroy. uh, And he actually called my wife a whore in, in our first meeting at court. It's sick. I fired him the following day and then refiled for joint custody. But it's still so much friction in our relationship. And my relationship with my kids has been a, a roller coaster. But now it's much, much better. But it's so hurtful when your kids won't talk to you for months because of things that are being said just to alienate you and destroy your relationship with your kids. And I know so many other people that, that hear this, how have you managed having this seems like a very strong bond to your kids throughout? And does your ex-wife also have a strong bond?
1: I can't speak for her and her bond now because I haven't been around her for five years, but I will say uh, in a positive note for her, I know I'm pretty certain that she's never said anything negative about me to the children. During the separation in in the early part of getting divorced, she made some statements to me personally that were very damaging. I've always been super involved with my children. I was a youth and Jones pastor for years. Uh, My boys who are now 20 and 18, I was their youth and Jones pastor for several years. So I've always been super connected with them uh, and with my girls as well. So my, my kids now are 20, 18, almost 13 and nine. So I've got a pretty wide range of age for children. So even before the divorce, I did a lot of the parenting. Uh, not that our roles were completely reversed, but I did a lot of the cooking, picking kids up from school. My oldest son really from kindergarten to eighth grade, I picked him up. I took him to school and picked him up every day almost wow. from kindergarten to eighth grade. And then of course my other son who came along as well. But And then I just, I came from a household whose my parents were also very loving and involved. So I saw that pattern. And then after the divorce, my boys were 15 and 12 at the time. I was pretty open with them on a level that they could understand and not be too revealing. So they were pretty aware from the very beginning of my infidelity in a way that I could share with a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. So they knew what happened. I didn't want to hide it from them. But I already had a good relationship with them. It wasn't like all of a sudden I decided I wanted to have a good relationship with them. It was something that was built. And then... My boys have lived with me now full-time for almost three years. And it'll be three years in February. So they've been with me now since they were 15 and 17. Uh, And then my daughters, truthfully, I did a lot of stupid dating those first two years after the divorce, like I mentioned a a moment ago. But those first two years, I I had a week off. So I only did the stupid stuff (laughs) the weeks that I didn't have the kids. Uh. And then when I picked the kids up, I went straight back to... They got my attention. I won't say I was perfect. I definitely would spend time on my phone too much on the dating sites or texting women, but I never went on dates. Like I made sure that I spent time with them. And then now that I'm healthier, I'm not going to say I'm completely healthy. I think we, it's a continual process for all of us to, to work, to be healthy. I spend time with them. I I go try to do a a daddy daughter date once, once a week with the girls, even if it's just taking them to the store or something. That's awesome. Uh, and then my boys and I, they've been my best friends really since they were kids. And yeah. I would rather spend time with them outside of my current girlfriend, who's 2,000 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather spend time with my boys than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, rock climb with my oldest, kayaking, Any, anything I can do to spend time with them. Because I want when they're older, I still want I want that relationship. So really it's just a matter of and then my boys at their ages they because i shared some of my mistakes throughout they've been more open to tell me things that are going on in their life now which bonds us bonds us even more
0: yeah yeah it's when i was in the airplanes and that was like a discovery because sometimes we guys have a hard time opening up sharing feelings and a lot of people a lot of men has a hard time even talking about feelings it's more about sports and uh, guy stuff. But I was surprised. I did this over several years in the airplane, just talking to people I never knew. I started talking about uh, more yeah. difficult things and then they would just open up. It's like a lockbox. You just open up their hearts and they start sharing. And if you initiate the sharing, I think a lot of times you can have some amazing, both discussions, but also the way you develop friendships. All if right. you don't share yourself... For example, if you start, uh, you have a buddy that starts sharing. For example, I had a buddy that shared that he had dealt with the anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I just known him for like maybe six months max, just casually. And then we went to lunch and he shared about his difficulty with anxiety, which is sensitive. And he he said, I never talk to people about this. And then I shared about the divorce and our relationship suddenly just uh, blossomed. And we're we're very good friends now. And it's like taking that chance and being courageous and not hiding these things like you talked about before. And when it comes to your relationship to your kids, let's say you have a, a dad out there right now listening, and he has no relationship to his kids, or he doesn't have the relationship he wants to have with his kids. What would you say would be the best first steps to start developing this
1: relationship? That's probably the hardest question you've asked me uh, so far. And I only say it's hard because I've been doing it from the beginning. I think when I had children, I, I was very intentional from the beginning. This is of one thing that I've ever gotten right in my life because I've got a lot of things wrong. Clearly, the marriage was wrong. I've switched careers a couple of times. But with my children from the very beginning, I was super intentional. I was like, I want to make sure that when they're older, I'm one of their best friends. And advice to what I could give somebody who maybe has not done that work. And they're like, oh, I need to do that now. I want this is to start small, spend, even if it's just a a quick date to, if it's a little kid, just a a quick date to Chick-fil-A, take them to the playground and do what they want to do. So I guess that would be. That's good do what they want to do. I suck at rock climbing, pair. I'm not necessarily, I'm not a big guy, but I'm not agile. I'm about 5'10", 210. If I could get down to about 5'10", 180, then maybe I could rock climb with my oldest son. But I just started rock climbing because that's what he wanted to do. I don't do yeah. it much now, but I did for a while. I, I joined the gym that he joined. My second son, who's now 18, is very artistic. Basically he can sew, he can draw, he can write, he can play. I don't do any of that. Like I'm zero as far as artistic, but I always make sure that if he's doing something, I'm watching him. I'm praising him. I'm putting it on Facebook or Instagram about how much I am proud of this kid. Uh, and then talking to them. And then my daughters, I try to do what they want to do. I, I, I never roller skated as a kid. Uh, Cause I was terrible, but my <laughs> oldest daughter loves to roller skate. So we roller skate and I do my best not to fall and break something. And then my youngest daughter likes the color. And so we'll color together. So basically, a lot of parents, I feel, maybe I'm wrong. If here, Here's a perfect example. I loved watching football as a kid. I enjoyed it. And I had this thought that my boys would enjoy the same and be huge Dallas Cowboy fans like I am. Yeah. And I realized early on they didn't like that stuff. And I realized at my stage in life, I would like it a lot more if I enjoyed it with them. But because they didn't, I I don't watch much football anymore. I sort of, it's not something I want to do anymore. And so I, and not that I want to lose myself and my children, like I still want my own identity, but I also want to make sure that I incorporate the things that they love into my life. And then they've challenged me. My oldest son, I bought kayaks this year. I love kayaking. So really just finding some commonality things that you and them. Oh, and for my girls, I've always loved to cook. So my girls cook, we bake bread, we bake homemade cookies. There you go anything that I can do that's going to put me into spending time with them.
0: Really good advice when it comes to start small and also to being detective and figuring yep. out what do they like to do. And that takes a little bit of time, I think, to especially if you start from scratch or if you start over to kind of ask those questions and not push it and be patient too, because it's a long life. And uh, sometimes you can be it can be a lot of hurts. It can be a lot of difficulties, a lot of emotions in this, but to have patience in this process and take those small steps and uh, that climb will bear fruit.
1: It will. Uh, and you'll experience probably a few times some rejection in there. Like yeah. they'll not want to spend time with you. And I've, I'm kind of, my oldest daughter is turning 13 uh, next week. And I'm noticing more and more like, she wants her alone time. Like, yeah. and I only get her every other week. So I, I kind of I try to take advantage of spending time with her, but there's nights that she's I just want to go to my room and be by myself. Yeah. And I've got a letter. I can't be like, I want to see you more. I need to let her have her space.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had that too. I have two boys and two daughters. The boys are the oldest. They're twenty-four and twenty-two. And then I have two girls that are 18 and 16. Mm-hmm. So it's funny
1: how we are the- we're, we're we have the same. But you're just a few years ahead of me. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very similar setup. So I think it's a perfect setup. The boys, the kids are so close, and that's probably also partially due to the divorce. They've really drawn together. The the boys love to spend time with the girls. I think at least, or they do it on purpose.
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) I I can't wait. Protective. I think I think I'm getting to that point because you said your oldest is 24. Yeah, and youngest is sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So with my nine year old, there's not a lot of nine year old and a twenty year old have in common. No, we do exactly. Play, we do play board games together, so I do look forward to that dynamic of you know, maybe four to five years from now when my youngest is hitting that 16, 17 year old, and they'll be able to join in on. Because my thirteen year old daughter now, and my sons and I have a lot of rapport, and we. We're very sarcastic. I learned that I made a mistake in like teaching them, teaching them sarcasm and wit yeah. because they turn it back on me. And now the oldest <laughs> daughter is she's probably worse than the boys. And oh, but it's, wow. it's, it's fun having the witty banter when we play games and get together. So
0: yeah, now that's something that I, I really appreciate that the kids are so tight knit. They really take care of each other and they care for each other. And uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts were in the, in divorce, but. And it's, it, I, I know our, our situations were different, but in the end, the past three or four years of the, the marriage, I was done. I, I didn't want it anymore. It was a drain on me emotionally, but I loved my kids and I didn't want, I'd heard horror stories of kids in divorce and, and what happens to them. And so I was super fearful of that, yeah. of, of my kids being damaged. And I know that they probably are damaged still. But for the most part they seem pretty healthy and I love the fact that I'm still able to watch their life and be involved in it. So I don't know if how you what your thoughts in in the divorce world were with that.
0: Yeah, the thing is you seem to have a, a co-parenting wise quite functional relationship with your ex. I don't. And yeah. that is definitely I think a, a very difficult for people that can't communicate about the kids. They can't in a healthy way, have co-parenting where you, and I say to everybody, if you don't know how to co-parent, get a cl- Get into a class where you have accountability to a coach to, to help you get on the bandwagon for the kid's sake, to be able to co-parent your kids. Now, at this time, the kids are older, so it's not that big of a deal anymore because I can communicate directly with the kids. Yes. But uh, earlier on, when they were younger, I think it's crucial to be able to co-parent
1: in, in a healthy way. I think and a lot of times, divorcees, they're not able to put aside the hurt and the pain yeah. from the split and really think about it. And so, my ex-wife and I, we're not friends. We don't talk daily. And really, our communication is only via email,
0: yeah. but it's
1: always very civil yeah. and We've, it. we were bumpy there for a couple of years, especially when the boys moved in full time. There was, and if I was in her shoes, I would have probably thought the same. I, she thought that I had coerced them to move in with me full time at the time. Uh, of course, the boys would try to tell her that's not the case. They were just, she gotten remarried. And I think the boys at that stage just felt more comfortable at my house because they were older. They didn't want to have to learn new rules. And so we went through a little bit of a rough spell there, but we have, we're back on track now as far as openly communicating. We've actually texted a few times this year, which is oh. we haven't really texted in the past couple of years because everything's been oh. via email. But we definitely have a, a working relationship that yeah. is that keeps the kids as the most important aspect, not our, our hurt or our, our past baggage. Exactly.
0: And it probably makes so that, a big that difference too. When she's remarried and you seem to accept that, uh, it, it's like you've gone on. And uh, I think that's, and also when the kids are growing up and getting older, but yeah, I think it can be a lot of struggle. And if you don't have the right help, if you don't have people that can speak into your life, and a lot of times you, you're in, kind of like in a fog in many ways where you don't, where you make bad decisions, Like uh, I made so many bad decisions uh, just because out of fear, especially initially in the divorce by getting this stupid lawyer and just acting in fear. And uh, those decisions have colored the divorce so much. If I wouldn't have gotten that lawyer initially, our whole situation would have most likely be an extremely different. So we're going towards the end of the podcast. I had such a nice time chatting and I'd love to have you on in the future again, Definitely. talking more. One of the things that I'm gonna end this podcast is when you talk about your kids having a, a divorce, if you have a dad right now, he's listening and, and he's gone through this very difficult divorce, He himself isn't in the place he would want to be, and he is open for change. What are the first steps for a a newly divorced
1: man to take? Wow, that's a good question. The biggest thing that I could suggest, and it took me a while to get there, and I touched on it a second ago, is to find healthy male accountability. Even if the man's never been divorced, but somebody who you know is, whether you're a person of faith or not, it doesn't matter. But if you you can find somebody who's living their life by a standard and has moral character and to ask them to come alongside you, because it, I know in my divorce, there's several things in my life that were broken outside of the divorce, not necessarily because of the divorce, but just, I was broken in so many ways and it took healthy male accountability because I was a pastor. So I I know the Bible, but there's a verse that says iron sharpens iron. So does spending time with another man sharpens another man. And it took about two years, but I started spending more and more time with men and avoided dating as much as possible and spending that time with men and just having them pour into my life. And the greatest thing about accountability, and this is what I will say this as we end, accountability isn't somebody telling you what to do. If you and I are to become accountable, it's not your job to tell me what to do, but it's your job, if I tell you here are the things in my life that I've seen that I need to do, and then Pear can go, You're the one that said this, Ryan. Yep. I'm holding you accountable to the standard that you're that you've required for your life. So I think a lot of people and men especially that they're fearful of accountability because we don't want to be told what to do. We want we like the independence, we want to, you know, yeah. blaze our own path. But when you get in with somebody that's healthy and you're able to be vulnerable and transparent, like we've been on this podcast, and then previously you're gonna be able to see the, the things that I don't see. And hey, Ryan, you're about to trip here. You told me this and this about your past. Do you realize that you're walking down the exact same path that you walked down 20 times before? So having healthy male accountability, honestly, is probably the, the biggest catalyst to change after divorce. And uh, you may have people, some of your friends that are married that have clicked on this, like you said, were afraid to click on it, and they're married. If you're a married man, And even if divorce isn't even in the future, but especially if you're a married man and your divorce is rocky, healthy male accountability, that's probably the biggest catalyst to save a marriage to, I knew that I've known that my entire life. I I knew that even in the midst of my stupidity after divorce, for me personally, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, find men, like find men to spend time with. And I ignored it because I happened to like women. I happen to like going on <laughs> dates with women and spending time with them. But I knew deep down that it was a healthy male accountability.
0: So Which, you did not have male
1: accountability
0: prior to that?
1: I did in the past. So yeah, briefly, so we moved here. I live just outside of Nashville. We moved here about a year and a half before the divorce. And so I had friends that lived off, right? Yeah. But moved here isolated myself a little bit and I had people in the area too, but I also I was in that, I was in that season of shame where I, I knew my divorce, I knew my marriage was not what I wanted it to be. I was still a little bit battling with pornography at the time. And I also knew that I was ready to cheat on my wife. Like I I couldn't go to a a healthy male accountability partner and say, guess what? I've made the decision that I'm ready to cheat on my wife. Why do you think about that? Yeah. They they would have said no. (laughs) I spent that season of about a year before my divorce and then a couple years after basically flirting with male accountability because I knew I needed it. But then when I finally decided I needed it, I found two or three guys here locally that I didn't know before. And then I've leaned on, in fact, I had lunch with one of my long-term friends yesterday that I've known for 22 years. So I I went back in the past and leaned on those guys and then added new people to my future, some of which have experienced similar things that I have. So
0: I did not have close friends throughout the marriage. I had the family, but in a way, isolated from friends in an unhealthy way where I did not have close friends. I didn't have accountability to people. And it's actually... "Quote: Thanks to the divorce, that I started yeah, right. to reach out, and now I have awesome fr- close friends. And it's I, crazy,
1: Pear. How I think men, especially, like we are, we're fearful of closeness. Yeah, <laughs> like we don't want to let somebody in. And I, so my boys, they still hug me. Like they're twenty, and they're eighteen, and they still. my eighteen yeah. year old was walking through last night, and he." sat on the couch and just wrapped his arms around me for a second before he went to bed. And I told him I loved him and he went to bed. But I think that's healthy. Like when you and I finally get to meet, I'm going to give you a, a big hug. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, but it's more than the physical part. It's being able to say, I want you to see me and not run away. Like I'm going to yeah. tell you all my dirt. Now you've got to be careful. You can't tell your dirt to everybody. But No,
0: you need to have a select amount of people that correct. you share everything with. But uh, yeah. to be able to be vulnerable like we are today – I think it's very healthy to be able to talk about difficult things and it's very attractive too when you talk to somebody that can be vulnerable and open. Uh, It's extremely attractive and I think we need more of that. That's part of why I started the podcast to be able to talk about these things because there's so much stigma around it. Nobody wants to talk about it and Mm -hmm. it's like uh, crazy.
1: Yeah, It's easier to hide things in the dark. It's just, it's it's safer. (laughs) But I'm very thankful for you and the podcast and I look forward to hearing more and and being more involved.
0: Yeah, I just want to thank you again for being on the podcast. I'm just going to share a little bit. The the podcast I send every Monday, I release a podcast every Monday and it's all about helping people move through divorce in a healthy way. I usually call it navigate because it's a way of navigating. It's not a straight road and it's not, nobody has an exact answer, but to reach out and get help either through uh, a friend that you're, you you trust—that's a key word, trust—and uh, share your story. Getting an accountability partner, getting a coach, getting a mentor to help you along this journey because you cannot do it by yourself. It's impossible, I would say. It, it's at least going to take you a lot, lot longer. And uh, in the podcast, we we share stories. It's so much power in stories. You've heard Ryan's story today, and. Uh, as you listen i know you're gonna get glimpse of hope and see it's not just darkness and i want to hear people's stories that have actually moved through the the divorce journey in a healthy way and i think it's a lot of wisdom that you ryan shared and i really appreciate your time here with us today and i just want to end on that note and you your listeners have an awesome day and thank you ryan for being on the podcast thank you